Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Counter Charge, I'm Matt Green. I'm Kyle Timberlake. I'm Tyler Schultz. And I am Jeremy Duvall. Welcome! Really excited today to have Matt Green from the Firefight RC on the show and we're going to be talking ooh, some new hot and spicy beta changes for firefight we'll be going into some of the faction updates and then also we'll be talking a little bit of uh Maison Labs. I know, I know Garrett Mercier just uh, died and went to heaven. Some, some, <laughs> some Maison Labs uh, beta lists. We'll be, we'll be picking out some things that, that feel interesting around that list. Um, but first, let's check in with the gang. Why don't we start uh, with you first, Kyle? How's it going? What are you doing hobby-wise? Well, I had, I just had a game day at my place last week and got three more people into dead zone <laughs> it's Man, uh, like the, best. You're, you're such a hero you're such a hero <laughs> he's like the dead well, zone for sure to, to be fair these three people were all people i used to coach in wrestling and two of them i still coach with so i have some undue influence but it's only used for good uh <laughs> now did you put uh, them so, in a reverse naked choke before asking them if they wanted to get into dead yeah, zone yeah. or that's jujitsu all right oh, okay sorry excuse me <laughs> But because of that, I was building a. I had a bunch of uh, terrain I haven't built yet. I was like, oh, I'm not playing so much Dead Zone. I don't need this much. And now I have like eight people locally who want to play Dead Zone. So I was building that furiously. But uh, we had a uh, the girls uh, CIF wrestling individual wrestling tournament this last weekend, and uh, we were one match short away from having uh, one of them get to the Masters tournament, which is sad. But what that does mean is I get to go to Riddle of Steel now. So uh, I'm getting ready. For, I have to. <laughs> I have a dwarf army. I haven't played since Masters, and then I haven't made. I haven't tested the changes I made to it with the new update. So I have to paint some units, and then probably fail to get a test game in and just see what happens. The riddle, <laughs> which is, as you do, you, you you wait till the tournament to play the army. Yeah, that's the best time to play test. Everyone knows that. Yeah, we have Riddle of Steel at the time of recording. Riddle of Steel is one week away. Uh, it's, go- it's going to be next weekend at the uh, Chateau de Holcomb in Orange County. I'm super excited. Britain's been finishing up adding units to his undead list so I can play it as Empire of Dust. So super excited for Riddle coming up. What about you, Tyler? What have you been up to hobby-wise? Rats, 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 and more rats. <laughs> um, I Like I said in the last show that we did, I am in a big Veermin kick. And I happened to see somebody on Facebook selling a bunch of Veerman slash Ratkin uh, for Kings of War as well. So I ended up getting that. And now I am full into the nasty rats in both sci-fi and fantasy. Uh, right now, I since I already have a, a pretty established Veerman force, I'm focusing mostly on the Kings of War rats. A huge majority of the stuff is actually going to be totally compatible for both. So like all the nightmares have uh, magnets on their feet. And so they can switch between the bases, which is really exciting. I got like like a pack leader as one of the leaders in the horde. And then obviously he's a pack leader and Veerman. I've got two new tunnel lump or 
no, five new tunnel runners and then two tunnelers. Uh, one of them has the extended sections, so I'm excited to paint that. But I'm I'm kind of grinding through some infantry right now, trying to save the big stuff as a little you know little treat, little reward. So yeah, right now it's just all rats all the time, and it's it's all my fault because of those those mutant rat fiends that I made. I knew I knew once I did that, there's just no going back, and now I'm now I'm locked in. So all the rats, and it's it's going pretty well. I'm, I'm making some pretty serious progress, considering how many models. It's 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 going well. Mm-hmm. Have you installed one of those uh, water feeders with the ball in it to, to help hydrate you while you're building all these rats? <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> get over to it and like lick it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. He's just painting, and next to his painting light <laughs> is the little water thing, and he just goes over, <laughs> sucks yeah, it down. I'm, I'm starting to look more and more like Peter Pettigrew from Higher Power. Like, <laughs> get all skittery, and like my teeth are getting all screwed up. So that's hilarious. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's the plan for for Adepticon. Is is hopefully I can crank out some Ratkin crank out some veermen and just have a, a rat of a time it'll be awesome so remind me for uh adepticon what are you signed up for for the the week weekend yeah so right now i'm signed up for um armada firefight obviously and uh kings of war nice nice so that means your friday is going to be super busy because if i remember during the day is Armada, and in the evening is Firefight on Friday. Is that, that's yeah, correct? that's that's the double whammy. If I could do the team no. tournament, I would, but I don't think I'm going to be able to fly in early enough to do that. Plus, it'll give me more time to just play Dead Zone and hang out with people on yeah. Thursday. So Thursday will be kind of chill. And nice. then Friday, Saturday, Sunday will be game, game uh-huh. like crazy. Well, bring maybe bring your all your, like, uh, I say bring your camera equipment, which is like your phone, right? <laughs> correct. Yes, correct we should we should try to film a battle report at adepticon i think oh that'd be so fun yeah yeah uh, i've done that with a... a coach from family gamers we did a, a dead zone one and it, it turned out pretty well actually if you get to the right spot in the hall it's actually yeah. not loud so yeah let's do that let's try to find a nice little space in, in one of the days and then we'll we'll try to get a game in that'll be super fun oh yeah and then in other news um trent if you've been listening to all the roads to adepticon on countercharge um Trent is waffling back and forth on playing in Firefight, and I told him he has no excuse. And so I think, as of right now, I am going to be bringing him my Forgefather army as well. So he just needs to send me a list, and I guarantee I've got the stuff, and then he'll be able to play in Firefight as well. Good so, choice. So, Trent, nice. Nice. good choice on Forgefather. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Plus, I want well, to show I'm, off my Forge Fathers and my Veermen, so now I get to do both, which is kind of self-serving. So, yeah, I'm hoping to get some. Um, depending on uh, how much I can sweet talk Kyle at Riddle this next weekend, of getting some uh, uh, Forge Father action on, because I just, uh, you know, I gotta play like firefight in person before the tournament and not just on yeah. a tabletop I, simulator i got a gcps army i'll, I'll bring down because nice. forge cool. father and forge father violence i don't really condone mm-hmm. so <laughs> well i've been i've been spending a lot of time on uh my forge fathers i'm using britain's undead for riddle and then rob's ogres for adepticon so then i've been able to just focus fully on firefight i and i'm doing a sort of hybrid quick job where i'm using um quick paints and the slap chop are uh contrast but then going in after the fact and adding some like weathering a little some little bit of details to try to spruce it up but i finished my first iron ancestor which i was pretty happy with how it came out you know based on how much time i spent on it 
It looks cool. Thanks. You send us pictures. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of I'm I'm going with again to help with the speed. I'm doing sort of a homage to Dark Angel color scheme. I'll have greens. My Forge Guard were going to be sort of bone like Deathwing, and uh, just a little, you know, just stuff. Because there's so many videos on how to paint that stuff. I'm just looking for how can I get something ready for Adepticon that's like tournament tabletop plus, you know, like like a solid looking army. So last night I got all I got my Forge Guard put together again. I'm so Kyle's always there for me. Uh, I was like, how do I put these forge forge guard together? And then I saw that they're all on the sprue. There's like A, A, B, B. So I figured that out, which was nice. Because uh, I was like, these legs don't look like they fit right. Yeah, they definitely don't fit at all if you don't put them in the correct way. Yeah, yeah, if you don't do it. And then I, I saw like it has like the head will be sort of turned a certain way. So the shoulder pads have the top of the helmet. So you need to make sure you're putting like the right shoulder pads on the body. But man, those models are so great. I just love them so much. Yeah, Forge um, Guard are still aesthetically <laughs> one of my favorite units. In yeah, all they take me to a happy place. And then I went through. Um, I'm I have resin bases that are kind of like a snow ish, but for traveling, I like to magnetize all my bases because I travel with a metal toolbox. So I've been drilling um, holes in all my bases and putting magnets in it. So that's almost done. This week, I'm ho- hopefully we'll have the rest of my stuff assembled, based. Um, I put together my Heller Mall, which is my second Iron Ancestor. I love that model so much, man. Uh, the Iron Ancestors are just so dope. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be uh, talking about more of them later. Yes, I know. Some changes. Yeah. <laughs> Super exciting. What about you, Matt? We'll 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 get to your or your gamer origin story in a second. But where are you? Are 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 you a hobby guy? Do you enjoy it? Do you sort of just do the hobby to get the stuff on the table, or or where do you sort of rank yourself in the the hobby sphere i love the hobby side it's it's why i play games um i make the models and paint them and then that goes into my army so it's i very rarely take what you're supposed to take to you know win games but uh oh, it's a guy after my own heart it's uh at the moment i've got this habit of starting an army getting sort of three quarters of the way through it saying oh i'll just do one one thing from this other army and then i'm three quarters of the way through that and then oh, I just start this next thing, and then I look back, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, that that project three armies ago, it's still sitting there." And at the moment, I'm I'm still painting goblins for my Kings of War army, which has become quite vital. Because my army was all it was all trolls, and I based them all on hordes. And now we started playing lots of ambush, and I'm thinking, "Ah, oh, I can't use those anymore, so <laughs> I need to paint some more goblins." But but I've got my my uh, my enforcer army. I'm, I'm supposed to be painting that, and. Oh, I'm, I've, I've nearly done the Maison Labs. I, I might as well finish the Maison Labs. And, and then you look at it and you go, well, if I could just concentrate, I'd have one finished army. But I'm not sure a finished army actually exists. So, uh, yeah, that's where I am at the moment. Yeah. Really deep in goblins and, and gribbly things for um, Maison Labs. Yeah, we've talked on the show. Mark Zelensky, uh, one of our hosts, is always talking about Army ADD, where it's you have so many projects where if you like, it's like, oh, this is shiny. I want to do this or I want to do that. And you end up having like six 40 percent completed armies. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a victim of that, because when you see the new shinies, you're always wanting to paint and put that stuff together. It doesn't help that it's all of the hoardy troops. You know, my goblin army, it's got its mincers and its war machines and stuff. It just needs actual goblins. You know, some goblins would be useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, got like a horde of them done. Like, that's enough for now. I'm going to do something else fun. 
yeah i need some marines for my for my maids on labs i can't just have all the cool monsters and stuff but i'm working on it we'll get there have you been guilted into adepticon yet kyle or no no, no, no you're, uh, you're, you're just gonna... I mean, like, this is now like I, I'm finally in the past 12 hours, like looking past the next week for wrestling uh-huh. tournament because season's over for me. <laughs> so, I'm yeah. like, so and I have a lot of stuff planned. Like I'm going up to Reno uh, April 1st for their tournament. Oh, probably for the, ja- do for the uh, spring jackalopes. Yep. Spring jackalopes mm-hmm. tournament. Uh, probably yeah. going to do lone wolf this year. I haven't done it in the past couple of years, so. Nice. And I haven't, I'll see my friends nice. up there. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go fly to Denver to see a friend in March. So uh, Very cool. In, in, in a couple of weeks. Because <laughs> I've been hibernation since November. Yeah, and I could see that because it, for people who don't know, Kyle's a, a wrestling coach. And some of like, it, it depends on how well your team does, right? On if you have to be at another meet or a tournament or whatever. So sometimes At the end of the year, yeah. Basically yeah you, uh, you just don't know what your yeah. schedule is going to be like. It could, it could be done real quick or it could take uh, a month. Well, that we'll, we'll make that sure often, we pour one out for the homies at a different yeah. time. You know? That often yeah. happens to me when I wrestle. I don't know if I'll be done right away or in a month. <laughs> 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 but, um, um, well, on that on that creative note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear Matt's origin story and how he got hooked up with the firefight RC. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Ash Barker from GMG, and you are listening to Countercharge. Hey, this is Luke from Luke's APS listening to Countercharge. And we are back. So, Matt, why don't you give us... I always like when when I have someone on uh, uh, one of the shows I'm working on that I've, I've never met before, I haven't had a chance to chat with. I always like to hear a little bit about their gamer origin story. So can you take us through a little bit of how you sort of found miniature wargaming and then sort of where in that journey you got... You, you found Mantic Games and, and the Firefight universe? Yeah, I think mine's a story similar to so many people of my age in the UK. I think I started with Heroes Quest and Space Crusade back in early 90s, mid 90s. I can't remember when it was now. Just playing those games, that was brilliant. Ended up wandering into a Games Workshop store because very few hobby stores around in the UK, at least at the time that I could find, that weren't this Games Workshop. So I then spent the next few decades just thinking that that was it. That was that was what wargaming was. Stopped for university because I was trying to be cool and that didn't work out. Um, and then after university, got back into 40K and then started to just... We were tiring of games that took an entire day. We, we were quite slow players, so we'd take a whole weekend to play one game. We'd all end up with headaches and it just got tiring. And we were just searching around for something quicker to play. And I'd found some historical miniatures, which I was trying to get my friends to play with. And we ended up with a copy of Kings of War Historical. I said, oh, this is brilliant. You can go and play all those, you know, Warhammer miniatures that, you, that you're desperate to still play with. And I can play with my Romans and we can play together. And then just ended up getting into really into Kings of War because it's a pretty good game. Ended up doing a few tournaments that were quite a long way away from us because there were very few tournaments in the southeast of England at the time. And then we ended up doing one of our own. I literally don't know why we started. We run our first King of Hearts tournament. I think there's only 10, 12 players or something came to the first one. But there was only sort of two groups of people doing tournaments in the area at the time. And from that, I think we just did our 15th tournament a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that kind of, once you're doing tournaments, once you're in the Mantic kind of ecosystem, you're there, aren't you? You're kind of, you're uh, you're rooted in. So all the people we got to know, like hundreds of people, it's, it's amazing. Um, 
I ended up knowing more gamers now than I've ever known in my entire life. So yeah, then we started doing the firefight tournaments to, to try and get more people play, playing that. So uh, yeah, that was that's the potted history of the routine. It was Heroes Quest, Games Workshop, Kings of War through the historicals and and then into the tournament scene and you know. Yeah, and why don't you talk to us a little bit about the the, the Kings of Hearts guys? I know you guys uh, have set up events and for you know different Manta game systems, but take us a little bit through the history because that's like a sort of an area. The Hearts is that come is that the name of like an the area? It's Hertfordshire. It's just a yeah, really exactly, bad pun right? on Hertfordshire, <laughs> um, which confuses people because for some unknown reason, Hertfordshire is spelled H-E-R-T. Um, and we just thought this was an amazing pun that we'd use that, not realizing that most people would read it as Kings of Hurts, like we hurt people, but never mind. Yeah, we, we there was Kings of War was doing really well in the north in England, in the Midlands, in the West Country, but in, in the kind of London area, um, in the southeast of England and that area, there were very few people running tournaments. There were chaps that in live in Bexley, they'd done one tournament even in Bexley, somewhere else. And that had been pretty much it. And if you wanted to do a tournament in our area, you had to drive a couple of hours, which I'm sure there's some guys in the States that, that drive, you know, across state to go to things. But to us, that was like, oh, well, two or three hours to drive to a tournament. That's that's not on. And I was looking around to try and find one. I think somebody said, well, if there isn't one, run it. And I was like, I can't actually argue with that. Um, so we looked around for a venue and realised that the school that I worked at had a big enough hall we could hold it so we held a few tournaments and like i said it was us and there was a couple of chaps in bexley bexley reapers running the um, shadow reaper tournaments we went to theirs and they came to ours and more and more people started coming to to both of the tournaments and then people started coming down from up north to come to ours and then bit by bit people that were coming to one of those tournaments said oh they wanted to start running their own events and it's got to the point where this last year or so you you literally you want to run something and you look through the the calendar and you're trying to find a weekend when there isn't a clash or two clashes not not clash of kings literally a, a clash between two tournaments there's just so that's many like a on. good problem to have right when it is a really good problem <laughs> you just can't do everything you, you just can't do every tournament there's just so many of them and it's really good it's an incredibly vibrant scene say so we tried we, we started doing other tournaments we did one um vanguard tournament and we, I went to a few other ones, and then we started doing the firefight ones, partly because, you know, it, it's fitting something else into the into the the timeline. You know, if you go onto the the um, KOW Masters UK Masters website and you look at the timetable, it's it's pretty pretty full. Of course, you think, oh, that's okay. I'll do a I'll do a firefight tournament. That means that I'm not clashing because there aren't any other firefight tournaments, but an awful lot of the people that play firefight play kings of war so you've you've still got to be careful you don't want to put a firefight tournament on the same time as the kings of war tournament because you know there's only so many people can't be in two places at once but hopefully as both kind of scenes grow and and bring more people in it should be it should work out and what what kind of numbers have you got have you guys been seeing for your firefight events people wise not kings of war level yet i think we had 10 12 i think the next one dropped back down to about 10 they're all the sort of 10 8 to, might have been eight the first one eight to 14 kind of kind of people so small for a kings of war tournament 
but being as we're only three, we've done three tournaments so far. Um, I think Matt G's done one, and I think there's been a couple more up north or Midlands area. So, you know, it's quite a young scene, and it's sort of it's drawing from some Kings of War players, some Dead Zone players, some 40k players, and and other people from clubs that have just kind of seen it. But oh, you know, I'll come along and give that a go. So. But we're starting to get to the point now where where numbers are growing. We've got one coming up in March, I think, um, and we're pretty much full, purely nice. because the shop can only take so many people, which is quite quite nice. Again, it's a nice problems to have. Yeah, um, and I mean, eight to twelve is pretty good. I mean, Kyle, how would you feel about if we had a twelve person firefight tournament <laughs> I mean, in California? I, my nipples might be hard right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, would pretty, uh, that would be pretty sweet. But so, just like anything um, else, I mean, when when my gaming group first got into Kings of War, we just knew about our, each other. We had no idea about tournaments. Our first tournament, we drove 24 hours to Texas to play in because it wasn't anything local. But And now we're – how many tournaments we have in, in the uh, West region? Like four, I mean, right? Four, four yeah, five, two-day GTs now? Yeah, I'm hosting my own one day. It's I mean, it, it just takes time to grow. It, it, the game seems to be really popular. Uh, I mean, we're making a podcast about it, <laughs> so it just I takes time. Bad. You can't like force two hours drive. Yeah, <laughs> it, oh, yeah. Can't... I was I wasn't going to chime in there, but I, I definitely wanted to. I'm so jealous yeah. that a two three hour drive is like, oh god, that's so far. I think my yeah. closest <laughs> tournament is like eight eight hours yeah. drive. It's a different ethos. I think we have. It's you know, yeah. for me to Rushton, it was like, oh, that's, that's, that's out of my area. That's uh that's two or three hours. That's all. That's not even that, actually. I think it's I think it's under two hours. But to me, that was like, oh, I've got to get up early in the morning for that one. And we, <laughs> I'll run my own. I'll run my own. It's quicker. And we've talked about it on the show before a bunch, right? Where, and maybe you can kind of rift on this, is in many ways, Firefight 2nd Edition is like a second first edition. You know, in many in many games, it's like a hard reset. So even though we are in second edition, this is very much kind of like a... A new game? I don't think there's a player in our tournament scene that played first edition Firefight. Actually, that's a lie. I played first edition Firefight. I played it <laughs> ages and ages ago. I played it one or two times, but I, I, I did the, the X Games Workshop player thing. I took my Space Marines and my friend took uh, Demons or something. I can't remember what. And we tried to force our 40k into this Firefight thing. And the rules were, the rules were good, but we just went, oh, let's just go and play some more Kings of War. I think this time we're coming into it properly as a this game for its own merits type thing. But other than that, I think everybody is, they're dead zone players that are trying something larger because they've got the miniatures. Or they're Kings of War players that fancy painting something, you know, sci-fi and doing something a bit different. Or they're 40k players who kind of wandered over to us at clubs and gone, oh, what are you doing? I don't recognise those. And what do you mean you've finished the game already? You're playing a second game one evening. Oh, that's amazing. And, you know, that's how we're getting into it. So. You don't have 15 rule books. What's going on here? Yeah. Was it just sort of your history with the game? Or how did you get involved the Firefight Rules Committee? We'd, we think we'd done our first tournament. We'd posted about it. And then Mark, who is currently the head of the Rules Committee, I don't think he was at the time. I think it was still Andy. But he got in touch and said oh I know I'll come down to a tournament and I'll play and he came down and he was playing and he was taking furious notes um, I think that was our second tournament by that time people were starting to take it quite seriously and there were a couple of people who'd gone right how can I 
how can I make a list that's that's really going to win? So I think he was furiously noting stuff down. And then I ended up chatting to him afterwards or chatting to him during the day. And then we just kept chatting afterwards. And then the point at which Elliot Morris left the rules committee, I just got this email from Matt Gilbert saying, oh, I've heard that you, you know, you're into firefight and you're, you're playing it a bit and you've been talking, talking to Mark. Do you, would you be, you know, be interested in getting involved? And I was like, yeah, as long as it doesn't matter that I'm not really good at the game, you know, I, I love the game. I'm interested in the game, but I'm not necessarily, you know, a world-class tournament player. And they're like, no, no, as long as you've got passion for it, then, 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 you know, in you come. So that's how I got involved. And then trying to find something useful I could do. I think I started trying to get people involved in playtesting and, uh, that was that was my my kind of contribution i think yeah that's cool i think the 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 rules rules committees are are i i think it's good to have different types of gamers on there because in you know coming from like a competitive tournament scene we have to realize that there's more to the eco the healthy ecosystem of a miniatures game besides just tournaments even though Mm -hmm. i think organized competitive events are sort of the lifeblood of that ecosystem it's still important to realize that the more different types of players playing the game the healthier the game will be so i think having those players represented in the rules committee i think get, will, will give you a little bit more of a holistic environment for game development we need all the voices at the moment i think the game's not as big as kings of war kings of war will play for a year and you've got so much data you know You've got a fanatics page that you couldn't read it all. There's just so many opinions and so many ideas and thoughts. You've got tournament after tournament where you can track who's winning things. At the site at the moment, we need we need different people with different ideas and different voices just to to help us have ideas. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying we don't have ideas. We've got many many ideas, but to help us um, to see what everybody else is thinking. And just like you said, not everybody's the same type of gamer. Not everybody's going to pick up a, an army list and take the same approach to army building, which is why we need a kind of broad sample, hence the public beta at the moment and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk to us a little bit about, and, you know, we totally respect that, you know, the, the guys on the rules committee are on NDA, obviously, because they're working on top secret, super hot, awesome stuff. So, <laughs> you know, uh, we appreciate you being on the show and, you know, no, there's some things you can and some things you can't talk a little bit about. But could you maybe just speak to a little bit generally the philosophy of the RC right now? Are you guys thinking about, okay, we put, we've put the edition out. Now we're trying to pick out maybe the outliers, like the stuff that we think maybe is way too good or not good enough, or trying to get more factions in from, from Denzone the Firefight, or, or is there any sort of umbrella guiding what you guys are sort of looking at right now on the RC? I think a lot of the guidance comes from from Mantic itself. So things like Maison Labs being created. I, I wasn't in the RC, obviously, at the beginning. I wasn't involved with the development of the game before it was first released. Um, it was end of last year that I joined the RC. By that point, Maison Labs list had been started, but isn't wasn't quite in the form that it is at the moment. But I think a lot of that stuff comes from comes directly from Mantic, so Matt Gilbert and his sort of studio element of Mantic, that tells us the things we need to be working on. I think Ronnie's talked about his vehicle game that, that he's after, 
we spoke to about on the open day. So we're working on those sorts of things. You're always looking at armies. You're looking at balancing. You're looking at any new things in the background that Mantic have said. Could you please work on that? And could you do those? Obviously, they're the sorts of things at the moment that you can't say because it's it's Mantic's you know commercial release schedule, and that's that's their that's theirs to announce in in their own time. But yeah, we're still working. They're still looking at things. I think you have to don't just assume that what you see in this beta is everything that anybody's thought about. See, there's 101 things going through our minds. But Yeah, you, you bring up a good point where there may be stuff you guys are looking at that hasn't made it to the beta yet. And just mm. as far as the beta, one thing I absolutely love, and it's like if you're not subscribed or don't have the companion, go get the, the companion. It's like the I got to get Sally Struthers on here. It's like for the cost of a coffee a day or whatever. It's really not that expensive. But I love how you guys have put on the Mantic Companion in the Army List creation. You'll have the, like, for example, we'll talk about it in a minute. The Iron Ancestor got updated, and you have the, the current uh, stat line. But then there's also a new entry in the Army List uh, where it's the Iron Ancestor, the beta version. So right off the bat, it's super clear what stat line is for what. And then also that seems like that's a great tool to get the beta uh, unit profiles out to the public to test right away is to just drop it into the companion like that? I must admit, the, the last few months of playtesting, wishing that I could use an army builder, having to go back to pencil and paper creating an army list has been uh, tedious. So yeah, I think having it in the in the companion means that people can go out, they can test it. It's as easy to play a test game now as it is to just play any other game. The rules are there and um, the whole of Maison Labs is there. And I also love it that is... you can see each unit entry next to each other. You know, you can see the, mm. the beta one, you can open it up and look at it and then you can see the change literally like, you know, right next to each other. I think that's a really, really good feature and I hope that we get a lot of good feedback from it because, you know, the more people that have more eyes on things, that's that's really what the, the end goal is, right? So I, I really, yeah. really like the way this is being like put out. I think it's really cool. Yeah, the more people that can play this, play a few games and then give us some feedback in, in the feedback form that we put on on Facebook, the better. I mean, obviously, we want to play a few games first. Obviously, everybody everybody's going to look at it. Everyone's going to have their opinions. Everybody's going to think, oh, I think this, I think that. And those are all, you know, really valid and really interesting. What we really want to see is a couple of games in. Do things surprise people? Do things play the way that they expected them to um does it have an output you know an outcome that they would like you know all of these things you change one thing a hundred other things that rely on it all change in ways that are almost impossible to to predict you know the game was was play tested it was properly place tested really well before it even came out but people within the first year of playing it in the wild found some interesting combinations and i hopefully we've you know, this beta covers some of those things, um, and I'm sure other things will come up, and they will get they will get looks at. But you bring up an interesting point. Tyler, Kyle, and I have play tested a lot in Kings of War, and Kyle, like, how many times have we been where we are like really play testing, and we think something is too good, and then it gets released to the wild, and it's like not even a thing, or if it's the vice versa, <clears throat> you 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 miss something, and then. The first two months of it going to the bigger group, all of a sudden people found something that you didn't even see, and it's not like we weren't looking. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it always happens. There's no way you can, you, you, you can, you can play test to the point where everything's fixed, but that by that point, like the game hasn't been released in three years. <laughs> There's always going to be those uh, gray areas of, I think this is too good. Oh wait, it's not actually that good. And this is not a problem. All of a sudden somebody finds a way to make it a problem. Um, mm. That's just how gaming is. Um, but I mean, that's, hey. that's part of the fun. Everybody has different approaches to how they'll play a game. So I think yeah. some people will say, there's a list that needs testing. Oh, I own a lot of those miniatures because I've played Ed Zone, you know, and I've got a bunch of those miniatures. I can build an army. I will go away and test it. And I think that was my attitude when I was, was testing things, you know, what can I actually field? And I field it and it works well. But it also needs a different type of person that says, well, forget the miniatures that I own. What happens if I take six of those? What happens yeah. if I take three of those? Um, you know, one of our playtesters, even before one of our playtesters, he was sending me messages every few days saying, Did this, how does this interact with this? What, what happens if you take that one and that one? I was like, like, this, but why are you asking sort of thing? And then you suddenly see this list he's crafted and you think, oh, okay. Yeah, that, that can't make it into the wild. Um, yeah. Things that I think most people wouldn't have considered. So you just need that. You need your, your hardcore tournament players that will try to build you know the cheesiest list they can possibly do but you can't build a game just for those people because you also need it to work for the people who are just playing with their mates at the club or in spare rooms and want to better take the things because they like them it, it's a and we got to keep in mind for our 600th countercharge episode that we just did we sort of did a rules retrospective where we went back and looked at kings of war through the ages and we talked about like the original pamphlet uh the first edition and just looking at how much the game has changed and evolved over time and i think that that's why again i call firefight second edition like firefight second first edition is that there are going to be some things sort of on that bell curve that are the i think the game in general and maybe kyle or, or tyler you can rift on this and i'd love to hear your opinion too matt is in general i feel like the majority of the game is in that bell curve the middle of the bear, bell curve but we do have some outliers right that are maybe on the too good side of that curve and then on the maybe not good enough side of that curve but i think you expect that at the beginning of any sort of new game system is that we are sort of now that it's been released into the wild learning learning about these things that are maybe too good or not good enough yeah i think that's the goal of any game right is to have everything be viable and nothing to be auto take to the point where every army turns out to be the exact same and i think for the for the most part you know there's very few things that are are truly you know exploitable and breakable in firefight and those things are being looked at. So, I mean, I think it's on the right track. I think there's, you know, a few things I wish were a little bit more, you know, I wish that they brought a little bit more to the table. Like, uh, for example, I think Hornets are just a little bit meh. And I, I'd like to see them be a little cooler just because they're, they're so cool. Like the models themselves are so cool. But yeah, I think, I think everything's on its way. And, and like you, like you just alluded to, I mean, stuff changes over time pretty drastically. It just takes a while to do it. So it's hard to, Hard to see it right away, but it's 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 on the right track and it's it's a good starting point and a good foundation. I think that's the most important thing is it's not immediately out of the gate, like completely broken to the point where everyone's like, well, this game sucks. So on that note, good job, Firefight. You're not <laughs> you're not garbage. I, I only started playing Kings of War in second edition, but there are changes into third that are really good 
but that I didn't even realise they, they were needed in second edition. And then you play third edition, you go, ah, yeah, that was a good idea. Oh, it should always have been like that. So I think there's the the army list, the faction lists, you know, are all the units reasonably well balanced? Are they all things that you want to take? And then there's the core rules themselves. And the core rules work really nicely, but it might be over time we look at it and we just go, oh, you know, we tweak that keyword or or we change that slight element there. Nothing to make it a different game, but it might just tweak it some bit. So it's, you know, it's a bit better. It's a more interesting. And then you'd look back to the edition before and go, oh, yeah, I don't know how I lived without that. But, you know, some people found some rules interactions and some models that were like on the edge. And it's like, what if I hit spam button, spam, spam, spam. But everything I've seen in the alpha test play test is like, oh, like, they saw the problems and they had fantastic fixes for them. And w- whenever this, whenever all these all this stuff comes out, it's going to be that you know first clash of kings for uh second edition uh, kings of war is what i'm thinking of you know like yeah everyone kind of forgets i think i think i mentioned it last podcast too everyone forgets that first the first edition of or the first book for second edition kings of war was fantastic and all my game group fell in love with it but there was the defense six dragons with or regeneration oh, dragons not losing or, not losing flyers not using yeah losing so flyers level. hitting you jumping <laughs> over <laughs> oh, turning man, 180 worst. like there were problems and like some people were like yeah. oh just use a surge army it's like well i don't have a surge army of a bunch of you know like macedonian yeah. pikemen right now so so but that clash of kings update was i think the real big initial starter to make Kings of War as popular as it is today because it solved those problems. And it, it was one of those things that needed to go out into the public. People need to figure those things out. So yeah. I think yeah, we talked uh, about that on that same, on our same 600th episode, I talked about that uh, very issue of the flyers, not losing uh nimble. And I can't tell you my main play partner that I played against was abyssals and I charged. And as soon as I, if I couldn't kill a arch fiend or a well of souls, it was like, I'm now flanking that over there. Or I'm yeah. doing this. So, so to me, that was probably one of the most impactful things to that edition. And we but didn't get it small, in the base rules. It's a small change on paper, isn't it? Yeah. It's not, yes. it's not a rule book rewrite. It's a small thing that goes in. And, you, and then suddenly, like, oh, okay. The game's been played. Something that's, you know, upsetting people, that people are finding annoying has been found. And then presumably the rules the RC must have sat there and gone, well, we could deal with it this way, we could deal with it this way, we could deal with it this way. Which one is the best one? Um, the point that, you know, is that a the units that comply are too expensive problem? Is it that the flyer rule is wrong problem? Is it that the rules that are linked with it problem? You can come at all these things um, from different angles and, you know, they found a good solution and let's hope we can find ones that are just as good for, for any little niggles that we've got left to deal with. And I would just really encourage people uh, I, I, as being part of playtest groups, and I know all of us have, there's the anecdotal, oh, this team seems too good or not too good enough or whatever. And sometimes that can be useful, right? But in the end, I feel like you get the most value when you, you got to actually play the games, right? You got to play the game. So you need to actually take these rules out of the theoretical and put them on the tabletop. So I really do hope people are trying out the beta stuff and providing feedback because I think that's really in the playtest process where you start getting the, the the juicy center is once you are are seeing people actually play games. Yeah, and I think we need people, we really would like people to give us as full feedback as they can. Not, you know, we're not saying write me an essay after each um, after each game you play, but 
I think it's easy to think, oh, well, everybody probably knows that, or that one, that's probably really obvious. I'll just talk about, you know, this particular problem I found. It is useful to know if something has worked, or it's useful to know something which you think is is so blindingly obvious everybody's probably already said it. So, um, yeah, don't be afraid. You know, tell us, use our feedback form, tell us what you found out when you played games, and and try and tell us all the different bits and bobs that you think are interesting, because... You know, more data is useful for us. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. We're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to break down some of the beta changes. And then we'll also touch base on some of the things that stand out for us on the new Maison Labs beta list. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Duncan Rhodes from the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy, and I hope you're about to apply a second thin coat just there whilst you're listening to Counter Charge. I'm Ronnie from Mantic Games, and you're listening to Counter Charge. And we are back. So uh, for, for this segment, we're going to talk a little bit of the beta changes. We're going to rift on the new Maison Labs. I say we save the best for first. And let's talk, since we just did it, let's talk uh, Forge Fathers changes. So we have a couple units in Forge Fathers that got updated. Um, the Forge Lord got updated. The Valkyr, the Brock Valkyr got updated. Hammerfist, Drop Troops, Iron Ancestor got updated. So why don't we touch base on the Forge Lord, right? Because there was a lot of, like, why ever take this guy? So the Forge Lord, he went up in points, but he, he, he picked up a, a hit point, And then we got a new order, right? Uh, loyal to the end, which is any friendly model within 12 inches that is removed uh, due to a ranged attack gets a blaze away for free. As long as, of, of course, they can they have the rule and... You know, uh, something's within range, obviously, you know, as long as it would fit the normal rules of Blaze Away. I know, Kyle, you've always not been a super fan of the Forge Lord. What do you think about these changes? Is is, it, is he viable now or what do you think? Oh, it's interesting. One thing I just noticed looking this up again is that the uh, unique one of per army went away. I'm not sure if that was intended or not, but if you want to take uh, he's expensive as hell still. So I don't know if you want to take multiples, but that could be an option now. Uh, I do like how they added, um, he got a lot of buffs and the uh, points increase that went with it. So he's still very expensive, but I think the uh, command order is really interesting. And I think it's one, it's one of those units now that I, you can build a list around of basically, you know, you kill me, I kill you in return. And with Blaze Away, I haven't been able to play test it yet, but the, you could put, be putting a lot of suppression down because every time you're getting killed, you're just suppressing things. You probably won't do a whole lot of damage, but free suppression is nice. Um, and uh, he's now a beast in close combat. So I, I definitely something I want to play test. Um, I don't think you'll ever take more than one in an army unless you got some some crazy plans. But Forge Lord, the idea of a Forge Lord is cool, and I think he's he's in the spot he needs to be now. I think what's really interesting about the the command order is that. If you take him, you almost want to put him with all of your kind of junky troops. Like, yeah. <laughs> you kind of want him with, like, the guys who are going to die. That way, you can get the most out of that if you do end up using it. It's it's still pretty steep, though, costing two command and then it being still pretty situational. I, I don't know. I don't I don't love it, and I still think he's too expensive. I, I would still probably lean towards other leaders, but... At least I have to think about it a little bit now, you know. That, I, his his order just reminded me of a Zap Brannigan from Futurama quote of I sent wave after wave of my own men against the kill bots. <laughs> 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 Blaze away, men. 
And just for a reminder, Blaze Away is a, a an action that you can give in lieu of a standard shoot action where essentially you get you increase your shoot dice by one, but all weapons are hitting on eights, regardless of your shoot value. And uh, if you uh, score a hit, you get a pin marker, which I guess this one's not really going to, I mean, if something's shooting at you, they're already activated, right? Putting a pin marker, I guess, just makes your opponent have to think about unpinning them. But I mean, if, if you get a bunch of guys, if you have like a Steel Warrior squad and you lose five or six guys at once, I mean, you could probably return some fire with that. See, I'm thinking militia. I think you, I think you run them with some some groups of militia and just yeah, you know, no, that's to a, blaze that's away a and really pin everything. Uh huh. I mean, it's not free pinning, so I don't know. It's it's got drawbacks. It's got some things. Matt, what are your thoughts on it? I think the intention was to make him a proper tough dwarf. He should be a lord type character. So you know, he fights a bit better. He's a bit tougher. This man, he's gone up in points a little bit. We'll see how he how he comes out of it. And the removing the, the restriction of one of him was intentional, partly because, like you said, I don't know at that price how many you're going to take anyway. But if you want to, if you've got a reason for taking two of them, it's now a viable option. Another change, we, we saw the Valkyr, our, the Brocker Valkyr, our, our dope biker dudes, got changed. So they lost the twin hailstorm rifle and instead pick up two just regular hailstorm rifles but the, the the interesting changes is that they got a little bit better in closer range they picked up a, a burst pistol uh range 12 two dice and then also they picked up valkyr assault weaponry which is two dice over one dice so essentially it seems like guys these, these guys just got a little bit better at more uh like close to you know medium to close range yeah, it's, it, I mean, I, I I love these guys already, and with the new model, I, I noticed they put burst pistols and stuff because the new models have burst pistols. So you lose a little bit of you know medium range firepower, but you gain short range firepower and a little bit of combat. Still the same points, basically purely an upgrade in my opinion, or at least at very least a good side grade compared to the original one. Then I'll still be taking it. And I'm just making sure I'm reading this correctly. You can basically just ride around and shoot all three guns if you're in range with all three guns right so yep that's yeah i think it's a pretty cool upgrade i think it's pretty pretty nice i think the biggest thing that they struggle with honestly is that the fact that they're kind of a solo unit so they can't really benefit from a lot of the cool shooting orders and stuff just because they're usually way ahead of the army but i think that's kind of what balances them out too not that they're super op or anything but I, i think this is a good good little upgrade side grade whatever you want to call it i like it yeah and if you get close enough to, you know, where you can shoot and charge, right? You're shooting with four dice, charge, you know, attacking with two dice. That's not bad for a, a 60 point fast unit. I mean, I like it. Hammer Fist Drop Troopers also got upgraded. I know uh, uh, Kyle felt this in the middle of the night and woke up <laughs> from, the, from the, the, the joy. They went from armor six to seven to sort of just capture that, you know, quasi forge, forge guard armor. Yeah. Um, so just making them just a little bit tougher. Not, no other real changes, right? Just making them a little bit, you know, yeah. giving them just that extra point armor. I will still Can be I... taking this unit because they're badass. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say something about the Brock of Alcare? Oh yeah, go for it. One of the um, one of the intentions there was that as it's got its Hailstorm rifle written twice now, instead of being a twin Hailstorm rifle, that does mean if you can use the um, Faring gear overcomes order. 
they will get two extra shots each rather than the one extra shot each because each gun will get an extra shot. Ooh, so. that is very nice. Is this turning into an orc army where you're just <laughs> <laughs> bullets upon bullets? <laughs> if you can keep oh. him... It's the thing about, you know, you're making rules for a model, but at the end of the day, that model has got two guns on it. It's carrying yeah. two of the guns that a normal dude carries. So you can't just sort of say rules-wise, I'm going to give him loads of shots because where are they coming from? So the moment they put the burst pistol on the model, you're like, well, brilliant. That gives us a few more of it. And if you split his gun, obviously you can't split three and a half. So you split his gun, one each, then you can do that order, gives him some extra shots. Um, whereas you can boost their assault weaponry because it's easy enough to justify that being run over by a bike probably hurts more than being hit by a butt of someone's rifle. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Don't talk to me too much about Marauders because I have a little Forge Father doll where the, my therapist is asking me where the Marauders touched me after my last game with <laughs> Kyle when he did when he did nasty things on the list that he made for Brinton against me. <laughs> when like I don't know, I, I'm still at, at the early stages of my uh, firefight journey where I'm like, how many inches does my guy move? And Kyle's like moving his stuff up through cover. He's deploying guys <laughs> out of transport. He's like doing doing all this stuff, and I'm like. I'm like, okay, this weapon has how many that you know? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very hey, much, if you're not crushing the noobs, what are you yeah, doing? Right? I'm very much bringing like a Sharpie to a graffiti fight. You know what I mean? Like you got your nice high-end airbrush cans and you're doing your mural about yeah. social justice and change. And here I am. I got like a crayon. I'm drawing stick figures on the, on Walmart the acrylics. <laughs> yeah, the Rossi special, right? I got the crap paint out. Uh, and then also too, we saw in in the Forge Fathers list, we saw um, uh, like you said, uh, Matt, like different things to to change things up. Right, you have a lot of different levers for change. You have points, you have abilities, but one also you have is rules. So now um, some of our vehicles, the battle tank, uh, we we've picked up. Uh, you, you're adding this concept of impact. So essentially, some vehicles are picking up an impact rule. So, for example, the Sternhammer has the Sternhammer Ram, which is Assault 2 Dice AP1. And impact is you can only use that during a charge, which makes sense if you've initiated a charge. It's addition. To, it's in addition to your normal assault attacks. And they always hit on fives, no matter what. I kind of like I've always liked give me ramming speed anyway. So I think adding a little bit of like a, 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 a an initial, it gives you a reason to want to charge your vehicles. Um, what do you guys think about this sort of, uh, or rift a little bit on this impact rule? I like the impact rule. The thing that I'm a little worried about with the tanks, though, is the, the lack of unit strength. If you if you look at the, the unit strength change, basically it goes from two down to zero in the beta. Uh, I'm really curious to see how that actually plays out on the table because I think that's one of the big draws of bringing a big tank is that, yeah, it's hard to move and yeah, it's hard to to kill and it can run stuff over. But also, if it runs stuff over, it holds down objectives and things like that. So I think that's the biggest change here. But I think the impact thing is pretty cool. I, I think it's a, a neat. Oh, and that is interesting. Issue. I didn't even catch that. Yeah, the, it's uh, it's gone down in unit strength. So that is interesting. One thing I can say is um, maybe Forge Fire tanks were too good. Uh, I haven't really seen. I I haven't used them. I'm always using Iron Ancestors, but all of them. I like the uh, the just uh, was it uh, with the APC. I think it just baseline's already better than it was before. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, um, it looks like the new version of uh, uh, the Drakkar APC 
It's assault went down from five to six, but it gained a hit point. Yeah. So it's baseline better, and then you can pay 20 points to get uh, armor eight, uh, but you lose uh, a, a bit of your sprint speed. I like that idea of kind of having, you know, do you want the extra armor or not? But 20 points is a lot. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> Just for plus one armor on yeah, top of a... losing some speed. Yeah. And especially for the, you know, like the, uh, my favorite boy, the urban assault vehicle just lost that. Now it didn't get a points decrease. So it'd be interesting to see if there was a point decrease or I'm not quite sure what, what the, uh, the balance point is for that. I like the idea, but I think the cost is too much as it is. Yeah. So a part of that upgrade too, is that your Drakkar Ram gets replaced with dozer blades, right? So it's three dice AP two, as opposed to two dice AP one. So you are picking up a little bit in that 20 points. You are getting a little bit more punch you in the face. Yeah. But I mean, my tanks are there to shoot people. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. maybe run people over. <laughs> well, you mentioned Iron Ancestors. Let's talk about that because there's some some interesting changes and having just painted one. So it looks like let's talk about first. The, we'll, we'll, we'll just rift on a, a, a couple of the loadouts. So let's talk about just first the default loadout. So no points changed, but we are seeing some difference in its assault weaponry. So the Iron Ancestor Forge Hammer, which was four dice AP2, is now switched up to an ancestor forge hammer, which is goes from four dice to two dice. Its AP goes up one though from AP two to AP three, but it p- picks up blast D four. So technically, you still have the chance to hit as much as you did with the four dice. I mean, each of those. Well, more you have a chance to double the amount of dice you do damage with. Yeah, each uh, one's so- blast D four. So you have eight eight potential hits you can get out of them. So blasty four, correct me if if I'm wrong. Is that so? You just you roll the dice and what and and just divide it. So what it's would just like blasting kings of war, where if you have two uh-huh. hits, you then you roll two d fours and you add that. That's it's that many attacks. Got it. So um, so you could actually have up to eight eight yeah. hits, which honestly eight. makes it pretty spicy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a huge upgrade. Um. It goes from like, yeah, that's pretty good to, oh, wow, this thing's like... Yeah, scary. you know what? When I was reading this, I misread it, and I was thinking of it as Blast D2, like one through one through four would be one hit, and then, oh, okay. yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I was reading where, where it was either going to be one or two hits, but Blast D4, man, that thing is awesome. Yeah, no, it def- definitely gave, you know, this scary Walker guy a, a more legit close combat. Which, I mean, makes sense, because the Iron Ancestor, when it got into combat, it was hard to kill, but it wasn't really doing anything, right? Yeah. Also, think like I, I still think it should have anti-tank. It is a uh-huh. giant hammer, like the Thorgrim with their, you know, fist-sized hammers are anti-tank, but not the giant Ancestor Forge hammer. But uh, but also you, you forgot to mention that the Hailstorm autocannon got range 24. Yes, that is true. The, the Hailstorm autocannon went up in range from 18 to 24. Still still four dice AP1 and pinning. Yeah. But I think it fits, gotta, it fits the model better now. Yeah, because it is like a big gun, right? It's, yeah. it's uh, oh man. So now it means the Thor pattern uh, uh, beta we're now we're talking now we're talking yeah. two ancestor forge hammer so that's four dice ap3 with plus d4 so if you hit all four times that could be 16 ap3 he's a scary boy oh if, man if i mean someday you know someone's gonna and, get the, the double thor and, and just absolutely annihilate something that's gonna be a gamer's dream come true 
And he gained uh, Frenzy 2, so uh, he to be much more consistent with his close combat. Well, he lost Frenzy, right? Because Frenzy 2 was in the old version. That's what no, it's, it's showing in the beta. It's just uh, Frenzy 2. Uh, oh, Frenzy 2. It got moved from yeah. keywords to... Uh, oh, okay, I, I see now, yeah. The, he had Frenzy 2 already, but yeah. now it's just... Gotcha. Uh-huh. And then Hellermall uh, pattern. The only thing with this one is it, it did kind of have a little bit of... Uh, a nerf which i think is kind of interesting so it still has got the twin magma cannon 36 inches three dice ap3 anti-tank it's assault weaponry went from four dice to three dice so basically it lost one one attack um which i mean i'm fine with that i mean i guess uh it's people were wanting you know people i think were taking this one a lot so maybe they're trying to make some of the other patterns more appealing you know i mean but it's not a huge change my yeah. my only worry with the beta iron ancestor changes is that it makes them significantly better than tanks in my opinion uh just with the the punching ability the range upgrades like and they, the they maintain they have, the strength. have strength yeah exactly yeah. so mm-hmm. i'm I'm a little worried about the internal balance hopefully you know lots of play testing comes out and people go oh maybe we need to internally balance a little bit but just my, my gut reaction's a little bit a little bit nervous on that the tanks were there were some pretty broken tank lists that were coming out um, were they just unkillable basically is yeah. my guess yeah if, if you put a an artificia in a brandir then he could heal somebody six inches away from the tank and the problem with those tanks was the moment you're up into the eight armor eight armor nine, certain guns statistically aren't going to touch them at all. Yeah, you know the odds of getting a non a non AP dice that basically has to hit the tank, then half its number of hits because it can't roll nines. Then it had to roll eights on those dice. Then it had to half those dice because it didn't have the anti tank. Those tanks were basically really hard to kill. If you then had somebody putting health points back on those tanks faster than you could kill them, it didn't make for a fun experience on either person's side. And you could literally drive those up to an objective, sit, and then... what You, you had this kind of rock, paper, scissor thing where I think the dwarf player with a lot of tanks would look at the opponent's army and go, right, what are the one or two units in that army that can actually hurt my tanks? If I kill those units first... I will win this game by default. If those units kill my tank first, they will win by default. Yeah, and that's um, not fun for anyone, really. That's not yeah, fun. The, you're setting up the same sort of interactions in every game, which is not why we we play miniature games, because every game is unique and different, or ideally hope so, you know? Yeah. And that makes hopefully some good sense. Hopefully it will help. Like we said, this is a beta. So if it doesn't do that doesn't have the the required response then you know there's time to change things before i think yeah. official happened but there is logic behind those things yeah and hopefully the iron ancestors and the tanks will have slightly different roles almost you know these iron ancestors now they can charge into combat and then they can keep on fighting whereas the tank can ram and then it's kind of stuck there unless it kind of reverses away and, and has another go a little bit later the tanks have still got some pretty good guns you know, the gun on the top of the Sternhammer, the Magma one, is still an amazing piece of equipment. Yeah. yeah. It kills everything. 
I mean, I just noticed that in our game, Kyle, like when you charged my iron ancestors with your guys, it was still hard for you to kill me, but I was just like giving you a little love tap when I was trying to fight you back. So I yeah. do like the idea that a big giant mech with a mag, you know, a, you know, fire encrusted hammer or whatever should kill people. So, so before we move on, there's one more change, Kyle, you want to rift on. They, they updated the master artificer. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, the big thing is they changed the command order. Uh, hammer and tongs was just really good. Like, <laughs> I think that's the reason why anyone took them. Um, the model's super cool. I, I love the model. Um, uh, but now the change, I don't think any, there was a stat line change. Uh, he gained uh, inspiring for artificers and brockers only, which makes sense. Uh, he didn't have any inspiring before. And then the makeshift defenses aura, which is all artificers and master artificer units within 12 inches, get minus one AP to being shot at. I like the idea of that, but I would prefer if it wasn't just to artificers. Maybe it was just uh, maybe a smaller bubble, but for everybody that is like, you know, non vehicles would make sense. Uh, I like the artificial models a lot, but it's a resin kit where you get one of each type. So to currently making an artificial army is very difficult <laughs> unless you want to spend a, a buttload of money. So I would, I like, I like the model a lot, I like using it. Um, I just, uh, that aura is meh. Yeah. It went from really like the best aura to the yeah. whatever. It, it, it kind of locks them into one style and only hanging around the same group of friends. You know, he doesn't get to expand his horizons at all. But this is when you need, you know, beta testing. You know, there's only so many games the RC has played. And yeah. obviously the alpha testers were concentrating an awful lot on Maison Labs. The combination of what he was before was was a bit over the top, you know, that the fact that you could spend your whole turn chipping away and just do a couple of damage to a couple of tanks and then it would go. If this one, if you don't feel this one is great after a couple of games, then pop it in the feedback form. Yeah. Um, it might surprise people. Yeah, maybe the other changes, on. maybe the other changes to the tanks is enough and this wasn't needed or maybe, you know, yeah, so definitely, you know, get those playtest games in. Well, we saved the best for first. Now let's, Let's pull the skeleton out of the closet. Let's get the, the big bad. Let's talk enforcers and the persecutor bomber change. So this is a big one, right, fellas? This is a unit that many people have felt was very good. So I'll go through the changes first and then let you guys, let you let the, let the, the big boys, the, the, not the crayon people in the room <laughs> talk about these changes. So the persecutor bomber, which I think many people felt was all things to all men and women. It was maybe a little bit too good. Before had Bunker Busters, which was range 24, four dice, AP3, anti-tank, blast, D4. So basically good at killing everything. And you could upgrade it with missile pods, which was one, dash, a, a, AP, one dice, AP1, blast, D4, anti-tank. So now the new version of the Persecutor Bomber, its range has gone down a little bit, and now it has bunker buster bombs and anti-infantry bombs so and each is two dice so still four dice total but instead of having all four attacks have ap3 the bunker buster bombs are range 12 two dice ap3 anti-tank anti-tank blast d4 and the anti-infantry bombs are two dice no ap blast d4 and pinning and uh, the missile pods are pretty much the same. So basically, instead of having four attacks that are good for everything, it now has two attacks that are 
design anti-tank and two attacks that are more for infantry. But what are your guys' thoughts on the bomber change? Well, I think the biggest biggest nerf here is the range difference. Uh, you can't just nuke things from across the board now, which I think is good. Um, yeah, and speaking as somebody who's been absolutely decimated by a single bomber and not really knowing what I could do differently to stop it, um, I'm definitely curious to try these changes. I still think the fact that you can get like Firestorm on these is pretty strong especially with the advanced training, so you don't have to be near any commander to do that. Because um, kind of like what we were saying with the, the Brock or Valkyr is that, you know, the challenge of, like, yeah, the order's super cool, but also it's kind of a solo unit. It flies off by itself and then it does things. But with the advanced training, the bomber don't care. <laughs> I, I think the changes are good. Uh, it makes it a little less insane and definitely not as auto-include. It's still pretty effective, I think. Uh, especially if you can get into that range, that means you're dropping, you know, multiple things. You can you can hit multiple targets with the and it, it, it did pick up it did pick up targeting systems too, right? So that now with those different yeah. attacks, you you which I actually really like the versatility of that, right? Uh, yeah, and, and thematically, to... it's cool that you can like you know shoot the anti infantry yeah. stuff at, at infantry and then shoot the tank stuff at tanks. So I think it's I think it's pretty interesting. I definitely want to give it a try. Um, curious what everybody else thinks but i think the the 12 inch range is i mean that's that's pretty tight you got to be really close to stuff to really be effective which means you're also pretty in danger of a lot of things all it takes is one murder bird to fly into your into your windshield and now you're totally screwed for a whole turn so uh i don't know what what do you guys think um i like it i I like how it's kind of it kept the same amount of damage dice throwing out it just changed it's not all just the best you know anti-tank ap3 um i on a pure fluff note i know i know like it's beta test things like that i love the name of bunker buster bombs for the anti-tank thing anti-infantry bombs kind of bland (laughs) 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 they have all these all these cool names from corporations like you know Uh all the all the weapons and stuff like that so i'd love like a cool corporation Uh name or so you know you know, some marketing team that made yeah. the bar- prosecutor bomber. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> made like the, these. yeah. The mass evaporator bombs. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exterminator bombs. Or, you know, something like bursting bombs. Airburst. Yeah. 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 Thir- yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Uh-huh. Know what happened, but that's what they were uh-huh. at one point. And it'd be yeah. cool too. If maybe the infantry anti-infantry stuff was a bit longer range because they're like the light, they're lighter bombs or, yeah. or something like that. They don't need the, extra punch that the bunker yeah, they're, do to they're a bit more like that. missiles you know and then yeah the bombs are more like bombs yeah for this yeah. one i wonder i wonder if range 14 or range 16 makes more sense i i think moving the range down and switching is good but um range 12 my instinct and this is again we talked about the difference of playtest data and anecdotal data the range 12 to me feels like too short but um, I'm curious to see what people think once they get some games in with these changes. There's an irony that across the whole of our tournament scene, nobody had taken a Persecutor Bomber to a tournament, yet we'd seen some pretty full-on um, yeah. tournament lists. So, yeah, I, I, I did a, a uh, game on UB2 uh, about a month or two ago. <laughs> and somebody did that and they abused the hell out of bombers and uh engineer teams and i was like oh this is 
this is not fun. So <laughs> I'm glad people weren't abusing it at tournaments, you know, but online people were. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's the difference is online is I think certainly when a game's quite young, people don't necessarily go out and buy huge numbers of, of certain things because they're quite expensive, you know, yeah. not, you know, these are, you know, very reasonably priced for vehicles, but they're still more expensive than buying, you know, a bunch of infantry. So I don't think everybody necessarily owns two or three persecutor bombers, but you have to write the rules in a way that what happens if they do. And then if you want to see what happens, if they do, you, you go and look at universal battle and then you see what happens if people go, Oh, hang on a minute. If I take all engineers, I can unlock two or three of those. Ah, that's interesting. And yeah, then, then the fun starts. I think part of this was also, we looked at the model and the model had two different types of bomb on it. There's the kind of rounder one and there was the, the pointier one. And there was a little bit that sort of said it's a bomb. Bombs go down, missiles go forward, and this thing can drop a bomb further than a rifle can shoot. Yeah, <laughs> which was an interesting, interesting thing. But again, it's a beta. Play some games with it and tell us how it gets on. Yeah, or make the like I like that. Maybe make you make the bunker buster bombs the twelve, but you make the anti infantry ones because they're like missiles or whatever. But saturation yeah. rockets saturation rockets yeah um yeah but, a lot of cool it, names i'm sure they get but yeah. this was one of those outliers right that we that, that many people felt was maybe too good so yeah. here is one here's a take on on that which is it does this feel right you still want to you know feel like if you want to take that centerpiece flyer model you can i love the fly i think model wise the flyers and firefight are so dope so I love all the big firefight vehicle stuff. So I want to see it on the table. You just don't want those feel bad experiences when you come up with your balanced army and someone like fires 8,000 Robotech missiles, you know, at you and your, your, your anime, your anime missile fire, you know, and all your stuff's dead. So. I do like Robotech though. So, I mean, Oh, I do too. So that's why I mean, we always, we call that, you know, Robotech missiles, which even it's like an anime thing, you know, where they shoot the thousand missiles and the, yeah, oh man, if only that miniature game had been actually good, I would have played it so much. But I digress. Okay, and then also in in Enforcers we have now is this engineer team is this a completely new entry? No, it's it's there before. It's it's okay. this is the only one I think that's not next to each other. If you look up further up there's an engineer. Oh, okay, got it. Got it. I I just oh, I see. I have not played um so also for Enforcers we have a change to the engineer team. So they're picking up a new rule called shock, which shock is being added to their, uh, essentially their assault weaponry are now called engineering tools and shock will give you a additional AP and will have the anti-tank keyword when fighting vehicles. Now I kind of love this change as like a thematic change, right? which is yeah. an engineer. If you're fighting a vehicle, they're like hacking into the view, you know, they're messing with the vehicle you know, or they just shock you with their tools or whatever, but uh, it's not a huge change, but thematically, I kind of dig it. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But I think the big thing is that they, they changed how small unit works with the beta version. Oh, yeah, and take us to that. If you want the small unit benefit of minus one to hit, you can only have a max of three models, including drones. So it, it, it used to be like, because they were small unit and put them in cover, you'd have three guys plus a drone who are at least minus two to hit. And if you got the uh, the uh, forward observer for the stealth or it's like minus three to hit in most cases. Uh-huh. Uh, and you just 
too difficult. They're really hard to kill. And the sentry gun was very good. So they switched it to either you have two guys in the sentry gun or just three guys. You want to get that small team benefit. And then the sentry gun got nerfed a bit. It's uh, now range 18 like the other weapons. Which makes sense because we're like, why is these super soldiers guns that are bigger than the sentry? If you took the sentry model, it's a little tiny thing. Why is that longer range than the super soldiers? Well, and the biggest change here is that actually they're they're specialists in the beta and not troops. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big thing to you. You can't make an army of engineers. (laughs) Which Which makes never make sense. sense. Yeah, Yeah, I mean that that it makes sense that to not do that right which yeah. is like why would you ever have just uh, engineers running a around? bunch of little teams of engineers yeah so yeah. That, that that's really the biggest change i'm pretty sure and, and yeah. that's just to limit that that same you know super cheap unlock that's harder to kill than most things and still can produce so i i like the changes i think that's important because you know an engineer should be a special thing and not the whole army <laughs> A lot of the the more competitive lists were just entirely engineer teams and then bombers or entirely engineer teams and heavy sport units, those kind of things. Yeah. And you should have operatives that, you know, they they should be the, yeah, you know, the core of this army. And when an engineer team can put out as many shots almost as an operative unit, and yes, it's got less wounds, but it was small unit and things, it could still be quite tough. Well, and especially model-wise, enforcers have such cool troop units that need to be yeah. like on the table. You know, they have the the operatives are hard plastic. They got the peacekeepers, which are hard plastic. They have the pathfinders that are hard plastic. Like those are the guys that need to be on the table if they want the game mm-hmm. to you know actually survive. Yeah, and then if you're you don't need the extra defense or wounds or anything when you're at minus a bajillion to hit you. So yeah, um, yeah. And it then it's very swingy because it's a unit that's very, very tough against lots of things until somebody starts blazing away at you, at which point it dies in seconds. Because yeah. who cares about small unit and stuff if you're a small unit? If you're being blazed away against, sorry. Yeah, so again, one of, the, one of those other battery interactions like the Super Forge Father Assault Tank Team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're seeing we're seeing in this sort of first beta of uh, here's some sense of what we've seen in, in the first few months of the game uh, being released to the public. And let's kind of touch base on some of these bigger issues first. Yeah. And then again, they're in the companion under beta. So it's super easy to make lists with them. You're not having to buy new models or anything. You know, it's just the same stuff just tweaked. So, you know, now it's just time to get games in. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the Veermin changes. I'm curious to hear Tyler, uh, you know, working on Veermin right now, what his thoughts on. We had a couple different units change here. Let's talk first about the the crawlers. You want to take us through that, uh, Tyler? Speak a little bit about the crawlers and what's changed and your thoughts on that. Um, so, yeah, stat line, they didn't change much at all. Uh, in terms of just like base stats where it changes a bit is the way that you have to take the unit Um, before it was uh, more variable in terms of um, like how many you can take whereas in the beta for the 2023 changes or proposed changes is that now it's just like a solid unit uh, where it comes stock with nine extra crawlers and then a leader so it's it's a unit of 10 Whereas before it started out as five and then you could add and subtract and put in some guys and not have other guys and whatnot. And now the leader is the only one that's going to get the um, 
special weapon and he gets to basically pick between the two of them. He can have a chem spitter or a heavy ray gun. Whereas before you'd have like a random malignous guy thrown in there and you could have up to two of them. And it's, it's just, this is a lot more simple. Um, obviously that means that there's less to, you know, customize and have really, you know, weird kind of units. So it's, it's a lot less in terms of like things to digest and it's just more simplified. And I, I actually like it a lot more. I think it's, it's just a little bit more user-friendly. It, it just, uh, it's, it's just easier. You know, I think it's, I think it's better. And it looks like it's a bit cheaper. I mean, you can't get as many special weapons in, but the similar loadout, it's 10 points cheaper. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that it will be kind of weird for is that you won't get the, you won't get the benefit of just taking like five dudes and a smoke launcher. Which yeah. I'm pretty sure is what they're trying to prevent here because yeah, that was too you good. just take five dudes and a smoke launcher, like it's extremely cheap and extremely effective. And uh, so this is kind of a way to make it like no, you gotta take a real a big boy size unit. And so which I think makes sense a, for rats too. Yeah, this is a good change. I like it. The the adherence to the Adam Ballard uh uh smoke academy of yes. how to use uh smoke yes, launchers. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I would be lying to you if I didn't say that what I'm toying with for Adepticon definitely has some five unit, five five guys in smoke launcher <laughs> units. So you're so. you're saying you're part of the problem, Tyler? Is uh, I didn't know I was part of the problem. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't done it yet, but uh, I am part of the problem for sure. Yeah. Okay, it's just yeah. one of those things that stands out when you read the the original list on papers. It's like, oh, so I can bring. You're just one of those guys whose only reason why you're taking that is to help people realize it's too good, right? That's nothing, nothing to do with how you. Yeah, act I'm feel. I'm definitely not the jerk in this scenario. Let's put it that way. You're showing them you're to society. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm only I'm only taking this list so people can see how good. It's like, okay, buddy. And then uh, on a similar note, the stalkers have a similar. Um, kind of rework uh, proposed. And so basically it's a similar thing where now it's going to be nine stalkers and a leader. And then you can still add on the, the night terror drone, which I'm always going to do because I love it. I think it's so good. Uh, so yeah, uh, again, kind of a similar thing. So now you have a full unit of 10 and only the, you know, the upgrade available is to the leader and then you can add the drone. So I think it's a lot more simple. Uh, the only, the only thing that this kind of runs into is that this is kind of the unit or units between the crawlers and the stalkers that when you're approaching that points limit, when you're at like, you know, 1492 or something, you could, you could always tweak these units to kind of get a little bit closer to that 1500 or whatever the point value that you're playing at is. And now you don't really have that option. So, I mean, that's not really a big deal, but it's just something I noticed when I was building. Yeah. Lists. Uh, Tyler, what, oh, which drone do you like more than which night terror is your preference? I like the punchy one. I think the okay. punchy one is better than the shooty one, just because your stalkers already have the two dice in assault. Yeah. And so they want to be punching stuff. And anytime that they're shooting, it's kind of a waste. If you're going to be shooting, I'd rather be with crawlers. And okay. then you just, you know, I, I like the punchy one. I could see an argument for the heavy chem spitter guy because it, it does add something that the unit doesn't have. Otherwise, so I, I can see it an argument. I just like the punchy one better. Okay. So the punchy one, just for those, it comes with the Terror Skies, which I just love that name. So awesome. <laughs> Four dice, AP2, and then the shooty one comes with the heavy chem spitter, which is range 18, two dice, AP3, it burns. And then also has assault on just two dice, no AP. 
I think one of the reasons to bring it into line with some other armies that had large units, so things like recruits, militia, um, zombies, they're all a sort of similar quality to things like crawlers, but they could be taken smaller units. So it's just a, you know, let's see what happens if they are in similar unit sizes to those, might be included. But people talk about alpha strikes, the idea that you want to activate before your opponent. You want mm. to finish your activation so you get to go first. Uh-huh. But what I think some people forget is sometimes activating, finishing last, but finishing last with three or four units in a row means that suddenly there's nothing they can do to react to you. You can yeah. activate all your cheap, nasty units, just sit there, and then suddenly all the things were hiding behind buildings, in tunnels and stuff like that, then they will charge out. Nobody can do a fire reaction to them. Nobody can counter it. So it's, it can be a problem. Okay, and then sort of the last change in the Veerman is we see the progenitor has changed. He has picked up a uh, different order. He now has let the big guys fight. And let the big guys fight is all friendly non-pin troops within nine inches. May add three inches to their ray guns or ray pistols. Uh, Previously, that scurry order... Uh, had all friendly units within nine inches may make a three inch move and hit the dirt. What do we guys feel about this uh, order change? Uh, it's obviously not as abusable as the uh, as the previous version. This one, I feel like the cost of two is a little too high for such mediocre guns. Uh, like you're not going to be picking up units with with ray guns and ray pistols in my experience. So. I think it's kind of a kind of a meh command order. I just think it's a little too expensive for what it does, and then what it does is so situational that it, I I just don't I don't really see it personally. But I'm I'm curious what other people. And think. it looks like the, he's also picking up his the progenitor's weapon has changed. Like he uh, it's gone from a ray pistol to a sniper rifle. Oh no, he could still get it. Rifle. Yeah, so he could, comes with it now. It comes with it now. Okay. So it's gone to what the model, I think, I think that's what the model came with. Yeah, um, there's two versions of the Progenitor model that, like, come in the little, like, pack. And so there's the one that's got the the spitter rifle, which I still think is a pretty cool option. I think it's it's a valuable thing for the, the Veerman to have a sniper rifle of some sort. And then I think the other one is a smoke launcher, if I'm not mistaken. But he's, hmm. he's a little different looking. Um, so yeah, this just matches the model a little bit better. I just don't like the the command order very much, if I'm honest. I think at I the think... moment, the idea that a progenitor could be a chap that's sitting back because he's got the sniper rifle. So perhaps giving him an order that supports the people that are sitting back. But again, if that order doesn't turn out to do the job it was supposed to do, stick a note, stick a comment in the beta test and you know it will all be considered. Yeah, I think uh, maybe if it... I like the idea of the order if it just went down to a one instead of two. And if it's just troops and just ray guns and ray pistols, if it was just ray weaponry, it's plus three inches. I think there's mm-hmm. there'd be cool space there because um, they have a lot of different ray stuff. Three inches is not a huge difference, but it all of a sudden it makes that Mexican stand that can kind of happen sometimes to the benefit of uh, the vermin. I think as long as it doesn't do the it burns weapons, the chem throwers, because when chem throwers get yeah. like fifteen inch range and stuff, yeah. So if you just had like anything problem. with Ray in the name, I think I don't think that's too abusable. Because they have a lot of cool. Like I like that. I love that theme of the rat, 
the vermin and the one of the friends i got into dead zone like ver, like he was like wait rat men with like chemical weapons and ray guns and stuff he's like instantly he's just like i'm in let's let's go so i love that oh yeah that they are a great like yeah. world war one themed trench yeah. you know so so hellboy very cool um, or I think of the bad guy in the um, Wonder Woman of like the evil chem scientist or whatever. Very cool. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break. And on the other side, we're going to talk all things Maison Labs. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Mike Rossi, fourth Mike on the Unplugged Radio podcast, Dash 28 contributor, giant nobody, Oscar the Grouch lookalike, and you're listening to Countercharge. Hey, this is Drew from King's Retreat. You're listening to Countercharge. And we are back. So uh, whenever we do an army review, Matt, we always like to do like, give me an elevator pitch of why play the army. And so since Maison, uh, you know, people are familiar with it from Dead Zone. But if you had to give us like the theme of the army or the elevator pitch of the army, what would you say as sort of Maison Labs uh, feel of its list? I suppose they're an army with two very strong sort of wings to it. They've got a GCPS element, but they're a slightly better funded feeling version of GCPS with a very specific job in mind. And then they've got all of the funky, gribbly, close combat type things that just make them feel a little bit different. They've got a bit of plague element. They've got a bit of GCPS element, but they are neither of those things and they're not a replacement for either of those things. So. Yeah, I think if you want the GCPS with some plague elements and you're happy to be the bad guy, um, I think this is the army for you. Not to mention some kooky, uh, like cyborgs and just like a, just a couple little flavorful additions that make it a little bit. Uh, mm. It's not it's not just a mashup of plague and GCPS. Those are obviously the most um, you know frequently compared things, but there's definitely some unique stuff in here too, like the the reanimated guys and and the cyborgs in general you got the crastivore which is just weird you got the chovar which is a really weird unit so it's it's got just enough wild card to it that it's different from just mashing up two factions and for people who don't know tyler can you give us just a quick lore like what what are the Maison labs so they are your main enemy in the Eris contract of Star Saga. So uh, if you're doing the dungeon crawler, this is the guys you're fighting against. You're going through their facility. Uh, essentially, they're just like mad scientists who are, you know, obviously pro- profit motivated, but they also don't have any moral like uh, holdings. Like so, they they'll just do whatever it takes to do whatever they want, and so they they dabble into things that are downright evil. Uh, so they're a little bit umbrella corporation, just a little bit, a little bit unhinged mad scientist types. And so, um, like Dr. Lucas Coiner, he's your main boss guy, and he's just terrible. <laughs> like he just the, these guys just will experiment on humans and and just do horrendous things. And then they're backed by the the whole Blackwing thing. So all the all the unit entries that are, say Blackwing, it's basically like this really elite corporation that they work with um as all of their security and stuff and so these are like the the slightly more elite marine type guys that because they they're basically abusing all of these scientific experiments and making a bunch of money that they can afford the best security so that's kind of the lower pitch for these guys um 
if you can, I would recommend you play through Star Saga because it's it's a really fun game. But you'll get to learn a little bit more how they operate and how little they care about people. So, well, I know uh, you know, like we had mentioned earlier, Garrett just loves the theme of this army, and I think it is very cool of this like uh, aim from the Marvel universe or like this sort of evil corporation whose troops are like you know super high paid mercenaries, but very uh interesting like lore wise uh unique faction yeah and obviously that that leads to a lot of cool um like modeling opportunities too you get like the lab technician guys and just things you don't see in other lists so you can you can do neat little things where it's a a cool combo of you know failed experiments and and you know you get kind of that uh like subject 901 i think was um at one point he was part of the the whole thing is like a failed experiment and that kind of thing. So, you know, like lab tubes and crazy fun mm-hmm. shenanigans. That basically, that's, that's their whole, that's their whole pitch. What about you, Kyle? What stands out for you in this faction? Um, it's like, it's like the, the cool stuff faction, right? Uh, first of all, Tyler is uh, fake news. Maison Labs is here to protect you. They have, <laughs> uh, great medications. They're all through. Uh, GCPS space, uh, they're good guys, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they just like it's one of those armies where it's like if you either like you transition from I have a GCPS army, like what's my next army? It makes it really easy transition where you can go, I'll just grab some other cool stuff. You lose some of the units you have from GCPS, uh, some of the synergies there, but you gain cool, wacky stuff, or you, uh, just want to go, I-, I love these models, I love this you're one of those people who like putting puzzles together and going, how can I make what seems initially like a desperate uh, uh, different parts of the army and make it all congealed. And uh, you know, when I was play testing this, I, I love the, I, I love the idea of Maison labs forever and play testing the army. I really think the, the rules committee got it right as far as how it works. Um, and it has a lot of, it has enough different stuff from GCPS too, where you're not just playing GCPS plus, right. You have your own kind of special units. Uh, I like it. I like it a lot. It's it's a really cool army, and it plays really similar to how it that. plays in uh, in in Dead Zone, which I think is really important. Yeah. Too. So the way that it plays in Dead Zone is really similar how it's going to play in Firefight, based on the list that we have right now. I just love the idea of being able to have both monocycles and murder birds in the same list. Uh, I just love like having the flavor. Of, of like you said, you have a G- GCPS army, but you want to put in some uh, plague stuff. It is just to me this this list just drips theme and and modeling, and it's just such a cool story list. And you could probably make so many different builds out of it. This to me is like if you want one faction and it takes you forever to paint something, but you want to do a lot of different things with that faction, it seems like this would be a good faction for that playstyle. Yeah, I'll say, Matt. Like you, you guys in the RC have done a great job of making every army overall in Firefight have multiple different builds. Whereas I don't feel I never felt pigeonholed. Like I must take these things. I must build an army this way. It's always it's fun to kind of have the the freedom to make a cool army that still works. It doesn't have to be a themed army that doesn't that doesn't win well. I think you know it's the chaps that came before me that made all these lists. This one's the one that I've had the most impact. The most um most to do with recently um but i think mark has put an awful lot into this one as well in fact the whole rc has i i'm pleased that you said that it didn't just feel like playing gcps because i think that 
the, the danger with this sort of list is it could be that someone says, well, why would I play GCPS if I can play Mazon? Why would I play Plague if I can play Mazon? This should feel like a different thing. It's got yeah. GCPS elements, but it's not, I hope, a carbon copy of the two. It was a, a conscious decision to look and go, well, the things that make GCPS GCPS, we, we can't just put into this. So we've got... Um, you know, a small specialist unit of flamer guys, a small specialist unit of grenade launcher guys. Well, that's not the same as the GCPS. They've got their rangers and their tank hunters, so it's a little bit different. The um, the marines are, you know, a step up from being normal marines. They've got access to some different guns that normal marines don't have in GCPS, but they're not quite the veterans. They're not quite the rangers of the other armies. So, yeah, hopefully... Hopefully, they're a bit different. Do you um, have a, fa- a favorite unit or a, a, a couple units that you that stick out to you in this list, Matt? I like the um, reanimation division, but that's because I painted lots of the reanimation division. Um, I just think they're a cool idea. I like the idea of the cyborgs kind of, yeah, charging across the board with all their electrical equipment, you know, weaponry and stuff. I think they're quite good. Well, awesome. We're going to take our final break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up the show. I'm Andy2D6, the Orange Legend, and you're listening to Counter Charge. Get ready to charge those counters. This is Paige from Singapore with the YouTube Battle Report channel Newbie Dice, and you're listening to Zanshen Fanji. And we are back. Matt, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you're only one member of a bigger RC, and it's a lot of RC guys all working together. Uh, you know, we were just able to get a time where it, it worked for you. So, I mean, do you want to just speak that to a little bit, give your fellow RC members a shout out? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a group of five chaps, and I'm one of the newest onto the team. Um, and they are all, you know, they're all doing their their day jobs. They're all working hard um, and trying to put bits into this as well. So um, I think as a team effort, I hope people think that it's that it's been uh, it's worked out well. I hope you like the list, and I hope you like some of the beta changes. And you know, like I said, please give us our feedback because all the guys are you know really happy to listen to people's ideas and people's suggestions, and they've been doing it you know, longer than I have. So they will really know how to act on that. Yeah. And hopefully in the future, we'll get more members of the RC, uh, the firefight RC on the show, get their perspectives, but it really is a, a, a group, a group thing as far as, uh, RC, RC committees go. And then also the play testers. And it's really is like, it takes a village to, to work mm. on these games. And it really is what makes Manta games special. In my opinion is no matter what your frustrations may or may not be with RC from whatever game system, I think our games are more robust and conceptualized and realized with the RCs than without. So I'm just super thankful for you uh, coming on the show. Um, Tyler, Kyle, any final thoughts or shout outs before we wrap up the show? Play, play a lot, go play games. Tell the RC stuff. I want to. I want to see lots of feedback from everybody out there, and myself yeah. included. I'm, I'm guilty of not being able to play as much as I want to. So, play games. Hey, we're all here to have fun, right? We play little plastic men. Uh, that's my biggest thing. Why teach people the game? It's like you could sit here and uh, you know get a spreadsheet and find the most optimal thing, but in the end, we're ha- here with our friends, having fun, playing games, even in tournaments, stuff like that. So, so, so as everyone's tr- happy. So true. 
Yeah. In the end, we're all painting little toy dudes. You yeah. know what I mean? So, no one's making money here. Like, yeah. Relax. Let's have fun. <laughs> let's, you know, don't be the problem like Tyler. Be the change you want to see in the world. Oh, okay. You know? oh, okay. <laughs> be, be the love. And with that, remember, always keep counter charging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.